We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 today. Last time we were together, uh, I'm not going to read the entire chapter like I did last time, but um, Paul is coming in. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he introduces a time in, in, in his letter to the Corinthian church that, hey, uh, I've been there a long time. I was there with you a long time. I was, I was there with you um, for, uh, you know, three and a half years I was there with you. And uh, when I was there, I struggled a bit. You know, I came to, to you. When I came to you, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech. I didn't come to you with the wisdom of men. I didn't come to you with persuasive words like I did in Athens, you know, on Mars Hill, on the Areopagus. I didn't come to you trying to persuade you into the kingdom of God by using some, some very uh, manipulative words or some very persuasive words or some, you know, some sort of an angle by using a, a, a really cool little illustration to draw you into the kingdom of God. Not that those things are all bad, but Paul says, when I came to you guys in Corinth, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified because that is the point. You know, it's with the song we were just singing, you know, Jesus be the center of my life. Jesus be the center of this church. You know, it's always been, it, it, it will always be, it has always been about you, Jesus. And there's Paul's heart. Paul's heart is when I came to you in Corinth, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. But for three and a half years, he's there ministering to them. He's there, you know, teaching them. And, and what gives me a little bit of, of, of uh, relief maybe, because I know as a pastor um, I've had a lot of people that have come in and set, a lot of sheep have come in and set in this flock, and, and at times they've left, you know, and there's been a lot of people, we'd have a really big church if everybody just stayed that came, you know, and the thing is, is that they didn't, and, and they're gone, you know, and, and you sit there and you go, man, was it my teaching, was it that I wasn't articulating the word well enough, and you can drive yourself crazy trying to figure out why people come and why people leave. Right, right. And, but here, yeah, sometimes there were some blessed subtractions. That's right. Um, but the thing is, is that you don't, you, you can beat yourself up. You can, you can, and there's a, a time of healthy introspection. There's a time of, of healthy, you know, time where you look at what you're doing. It, it, is it getting across? Is it, is it being spoken clearly? You know, is, am I doing what God's called me to do? And so I think that as a pastor, you always have to be looking at that. But there are those that, that have come, those that have gone, and they're, they're gone. And, and then you see them, and, and I shared this, you know, a few weeks ago. You might see them out in, in Home Depot or, you know, the store, Publix, whatever, you know, you're at. And you happen to see them, and you run into them, and you, hey, how you doing? And you start talking to them. And, and you just notice by some of the language that they use and some of the way that they're talking that they're not really walking strong with the Lord anymore. And, and it breaks your heart. You think, what happened? You know, what, what went on? You know, and I've actually asked some of those guys, yeah, yeah, I, I need to get back, I need to get back, and then they never do. But the thing is, is that what happened? Well, I, I look at that, and when I look at a, a 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I take a little bit of heart because I think the Apostle Paul was there for three and a half years. For three and a half years, the Apostle Paul. And I have to ask myself, wait a minute, was it that they didn't have a good enough teacher there? That, that they are now going to be accused of some of the things that Paul talks about. They had the Apostle Paul for goodness sakes. And they still struggled with 
bowing their knee to the Lord and living their life for Christ. Here, here's what he says. When I came to you, brother, in verse 1 of chapter 3, I, brethren, when I... I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, as, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, he's talking three and a half years down the road. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you're still not able. For you're still carnal. For where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, well, I'm of Apollos, and the other says, well, I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Paul, and the other says, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who is Paul, Paul, Paul states? He, says, he, he throws this, this, this rebuttal out there. He goes, who is Paul? Or who is Apollos? We're simply just ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered. But it's God that gave the increase. It's not me and it's not Apollos. It's God that did the work. A salvation is based upon a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit, not through the persuasive words of men. It's not through the persuasive word of a man. It's through the effectual, miraculous work of God working through the Holy Spirit into a heart that is ready to receive the seed of the word of God that is ready for that seed to be watered, that is ready for the, 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 the field of the heart to be plowed. It might be a fallow ground. And, and maybe you are here today and you had a fallow heart. You were hard-hearted for many, many years. Many people may have come to you and talked to you about the Lord, but you, you had a hard heart and you had a calloused ear. And he said, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. And, and as God continued to pour someone into you and, and share somebody with you and, and, and bring people into your life, it was like a Paul planting a seed or an Apollos watering a seed. And, and they keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it to a point where all of a sudden there came a point where you, you opened your ears. You opened your heart and you said, you know what? I've been missing this my whole life. And you gave your heart to the Lord. That's the plow going into very, very, very hard clay. And it's breaking up that hard, hard, hard ground. God has done that. He's cultivated your heart to a point where when the seed did go in and the seed was watered, boom, up shot a plant. Up shot salvation. Because you heard. You listened. You didn't just hear it. You listened. There's two different, you know, those are two different words, you know. Sometimes we think hearing and listening are synonymous terms. If you're married, you understand hearing and listening, there are two different things. You know? I heard you, honey. Yeah, but what did I say? Uh, I know that your voice inflection did this, but what did I say? Uh, you said something about Nathan. Okay, good. That's the subject matter, but I've been talking to you for five minutes that's me failing in listening. That's me failing in listening. Because I heard, but I didn't listen. Listening means you, you don't just hear, but you process and, are, and, 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 you, you process and, and form an opinion. You form a heart. You form, you form a, a, a logical reason in your mind for what it is that you've just heard. Listening is more intent than just hearing. 
And so maybe you're here and, and you have that hard, fallow heart. But the Lord used many people in your lives to bring you to a place. I, I really think that the person who shared with you the gospel for five seconds is going to be just as rewarded as the guy who actually led you to the Lord. The guy who shared the Lord with you in five seconds that you cast off the seed, that you cast the guy off, you cast the gal off, you cast that person off as I don't want to hear what you have to say. At that time in your life, maybe 10, 15 years down the road, I believe that the reward is going to be just as strong for the person who gave you the seed as the person who watered. That's what Paul's saying. Who are we? I simply am doing what God's called me to do today. And Paul, or Apollos is doing exactly what God's called him to do today. But we're not here. Please hear me, listen to me. We are not here to make the church of Paul or the church of Apollos. It's not ours to have. It's not ours to hold on to. It's not ours to own. It is God's church. We're just simply ministers. That's all that we are. We're, we're, we're simply ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. In verse 6, I planted Paulus water, but it's God that gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but it's God who gives the increase. You see the heart of Paul here. Now he who plants and he who waters, we're doing the same thing. We're following the same Lord. We're following the same instructions. Each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. I got something I want to say about that here in just a second, but let's back up. Let's look at what Paul said. I couldn't speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal. Couldn't speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal. Let's look at those two words. The word spiritual is the word in the Greek is pneumatakis. Pneumatakis, which literally means pertaining to the nature of spirits, a spiritual body. It means a body that is dominated by the spirit in contrast to a natural or a soulish body. It's, it's that one that obeys, uh, you know, the, 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 the spiritual instincts and not the natural instincts. The spiritual instincts and not the natural. I couldn't come to you and speak to you as one who was being motivated and moved by the spiritual instincts that have been placed in you through the Holy Spirit. I couldn't speak to you that way, Paul says. No, I had to speak to you as to carnal. The word carnal in the Greek is sarkikos, sarkikos. Literally means flesh, fleshly, carnal, pertaining to the flesh or body. It implies, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, weakness and frailty and imperfection. It's temporary, it's transient. It's, it's something that doesn't satisfy the spiritual. And the spiritual doesn't satisfy the carnal. Carnal. Where do we get the word carnal? We, we think of carnal. Um, here when we had the Super Bowl party, I had, a, um, I had brought a, a, a chili dip here. And I, I used Hormel chili. Con carne. Con carne. With meat. 
with flesh. It kind of sounds yucky that way, doesn't it? I made dip with flesh in it, no. No, with meat in it. Con in, in, in Spanish is, you know, with. Carne is meat. Meat. Chili con carne. With meat. Chili with meat. Uh, your flesh, carnal, is you're indulging the flesh. Spiritual, you're indulging the spirit. But you can't indulge the spirit and the flesh at the same time. It doesn't work. One's worldly, one's carnal. One's spiritual, one's soulish. And, and Paul says, when I came, you know, uh, I, I came to you and I, I couldn't speak to you as to one who is being motivated and, and dominated by the Spirit, one who is, being make, who is making decisions based upon the spiritual, not, not one who is being led by the Holy Spirit. No, when I came and talked to you, I recognized that you weren't listening to the Holy Spirit, you were listening to your flesh. That's what you were listening to. That was what was motivating your actions on a day-by-day basis. Now, we might look at that, and today, if we had a pastor that came into our church and said, you know what, I can't speak to you as spiritual people. I have to speak to you as to carnal. We'd go, that offends me. Who are you to say such a thing to me? Well, Paul just laid it out. He goes, you know what, I, I, I'm nothing. He, he says, who am I? I'm nothing. But I'm saying this, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You can't handle the truth. You can't handle reality. You can't handle spiritual. You can't handle it because you're not ready for it. You're not ready for it. Oh, I am ready for it. Paul says, no, 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 you're not. Well, you offend me, and so I'm going to leave this church. I think Paul would be one of those guys that would say, don't let that big metal door hit you on the way out. If you, if, if you don't want to hear the truth, then, then don't come to this church, is what Paul would say, I think. Say, but, but don't make a mistake and walk out of the church. Just because the Word of God might make you feel a little uncomfortable in your present modern-day position. Don't, don't cast that aside. If, if, if God's doing a work in your life, don't, don't, don't shoot the messenger. Don't cast aside the Word in order to stay in the position in the place that you're at in the flesh. Don't do that because here's the thing. It's only to your detriment that you do. But Paul says, I, I, I couldn't speak to you as the spiritual because you weren't listening to the Holy Spirit. What you were doing is you were listening to your flesh. And so I had to take a different approach with you. When I came to you, I did bring Jesus Christ and him crucified. But even then, I had to do it spoon-feeding you milk. I couldn't give you solid food. It was like Calvary Chapel Gerberville. I was, I was feeding you Gerber. He says, he says uh, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you weren't even able to receive it. And even right now you're not even able to receive it. That's an indictment on the church there in Corinth. For you're still carnal, he says. For where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Now he brings out just one of the points, one of many points that was wrong with the church in Corinth. He says, you guys are dividing yourselves up because you say, well, I'm of Paul or I'm of Apollos. 
uh, or or you might be bringing it up into modern day. Well, I'm not of that church. I'm of Calvary Chapel. Well, what's Calvary Chapel? It's nothing. It's simply a name that we have for a business name. You know, it's something that identifies us with this is where we are. But Calvary Chapel is not the, it's not the answer all to Christendom. It's not. Hopefully and prayerfully on a week-by-week basis, what you hear is truth coming from the pulpit. But it's not to build up Calvary Chapel. It's, it's to build up the body of Christ. There are many fine churches in Sarasota that preach the word of God. And they're not Calvary Chapel. That's okay. That's good. Not to tear those guys down. That's what God has called them to be and called them to do. And, and they're, they're holding and carrying the torch you know, faithfully. And for those men, I am, I, am, I am blessed to be in the same city. But it's not about their church either. It's not about my church. It's not about their church. It's about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's what it's about. But Paul says that that's one of your issues. You, you're going, well, you're not really walking with the Lord unless you go to Calvary Chapel. You don't really walk with the Lord unless you go to Sarasota Baptist. What? Stop it. Stop it. That's fleshly conversation. That, that is carnal. That is carnal conversation. That's carnal debate. That's called division. And, and as, 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 as it's brought out, and I share that, you know, if I were to say in heaven, who will be in heaven? Christians. Will there be a Calvary Chapel section in heaven? There won't be. There's not going to be a Calvary Chapel section in heaven. There isn't going to be a Baptist church in, he- in, in heaven. There's not going to be a you know, Methodist or you know, Presbyterian place in heaven. It's, there's going to be a place in heaven for the children of God who have been miraculously saved by the Holy Spirit. By someone who was willing to do what it is that God called them to do. They opened their mouth. They had a job to do. And Paul says, but here's the thing. You guys have a division. This is your issue. This is one of many issues. And he'll talk about other issues all through the book of of, of, uh, 1 Corinthians of things that they've had problems with. But this is one of the first things that he's talking about. You have divisions among you. He said that he had to talk to them as babes. Babes of Christ. And as he, he does that, there in verse 1, I, I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Um, know that in our modern day, this isn't talking about a beautiful woman's ministry. Babes in Christ. Has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with people who haven't properly grown. I've got a picture here that Nathan's going to show on the screen. I've got two different two different pictures here. I'm sorry to do this to you, but I'm going to do it anyways, and I'm going to explain something. Uh, go, first one. It just, I'm going to have you go to both of them anyways. Just, I don't want to keep it up there very long. Next. It's a 30-year-old man who has nothing wrong with him. There's nothing wrong with him. He just likes to be that. His name's Stanley. 
I, I, I'm using it, but, you know, I mean, you know, I, 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 not to offend the guy or anything. I mean, he, was, he, he shared his story on the Learning Channel. He's a guy that sleeps in a crib. He's 30 years old. He plays in a very over-supported pack-and-play, being that he sports about 350 pounds. He uh, is woken up each morning by a woman who is not his wife nor a family member. She's a former nurse who's out of work, and she lives there with him. The last picture shows, Nathan... The last picture shows that he is bottle-fed by her. He wears diapers. How do you like to clean those things? He wears, I'm sorry, he he wears a onesie, albeit a very large one, but he wears a onesie. He does wear a onesie. Now, lest you you hear me wrong on this and you get offended that I'm pointing out something about this guy, this is a guy that when he goes out of the house, he puts on regular clothes. Shows up at Home Depot uh, purchasing lumber by himself in order to build a structurally sound high chair that he designed. That first picture that you see, he built that for himself. He designed that high chair, he built it, he painted it, and he did it for himself in order to support his weight. In the interview uh, that he had on the Learning Channel, he stresses that he started to do this when he was like 11 years old. He started, uh, he also stated, this is not a sexual issue with me. This isn't something that is weird and sexually weird. I just like to do it because it makes me relax and makes me feel comfortable. Now, Stanley He lives this adult baby fantasy in which he lives out with the help of his roommate, Sandra. Neither one of them have a job. Both of them collect Social Security checks from disability, on disability. This got the attention of Senator Tom Coburn, uh, representative in in, uh, Oklahoma. And... uh, he stated, given that, Ms. that this Stanley fella is able to determine what is appropriate attire and actions in public, he can drive himself to complete errands, he can design and custom make baby furniture to support a 350-pound adult and run an internet support group, it's possible that he has been improperly collecting disability benefits for a period of time. The senator wrote, to Inspector General Patrick P. O'Carroll. That's out of the Washington Times. Now, word got back to Stanley that that's what Coburn had said and his response was to the senator, you want to test how dang serious I am about leaving this world? Screw with my check that pays for this apartment and food. Try it. See how serious I am. I don't care. I have no problem killing myself. Take away the last thing keeping me here and see what happens. Next time you see me on the news, it will be me in a body bag. So here's the thing. I want to be a baby. We look at this and we go, I want to be a baby that the United States supports. And this is just what I want to do because it makes me feel comfortable and relaxed. And I want this, this person to 
also not work and collect disability, social security from you who work, from us who work, that, that, that they'll pay us to be able to stay in the house to play this game of baby. Now we look at that and we go, something's wrong with this picture. Is it not? Is there something wrong with this picture? And, and, and I look at this and these kinds of things kind of infuriate me. It kind of, they bother me. I, I sit there and I look at it and, and then the Lord shows me and he, kinda, he, he says, yeah, when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, this is what a lot of the church looks like. It's what the church looks like. This is what the vast majority of the church looks like. And, and uh, listen, Paul says, I wish that I could, I could be feeding you steak. I can't feed you steak. You can only handle milk because your tummies can't handle it. And because I can't feed you steak and I can only give you milk and you still say gaga without lady in front of it, you are not really majorly useful for the kingdom because what victory do you have? What victory do you have? Well, I'm going to be saved. Well, that's the Hezekiah syndrome. That's a Hezekiah syndrome. What's a Hezekiah syndrome? You remember Hezekiah. He was a good king. Man, I hope it's the right guy that I'm talking about. Hezekiah, he was a good king. But, but God looked at him. He says, Hezekiah, send I, he sends Isaiah to Hezekiah. He says, Isaiah, t- tell Hezekiah, hey, get his house in order. It's time for him to come home. It's time for him to die. Time for him to, it's time for, his time on earth is done. So Isaiah goes to Hezekiah and he goes, Hezekiah, hey, uh, Lord told me to come and tell you to get your house in order. It's time for you to go. And Hezekiah goes, oh, come on. Didn't I do a lot of great things for God? Well, yeah, I mean, you did. I mean, it, you served him. You served him well. You did a pretty good job. Well, why is, why is my life being taken so early? Why, why can't he at least give me some more time? Can he at least give me some more time? And Isaiah says, well, here's the thing. Um, there's coming a time in this nation that it's going to have a very, very, very difficult, it's going to be a very, very difficult time for the nation of Israel where people will turn their backs on me. People will reject me. People will walk away from me being their leader, being their follower. There's coming a time it's going to be of grave consequence to the nation of Israel. Hezekiah goes, well, is it going to happen in my time while I'm alive? No, here's the thing. Because you've called to me, the Lord says, and you want some more time, I'll give you 15 more years. And so, and these things won't happen in your time. Hezekiah goes, his response was sad. He goes, well, it's a bummer that it's going to happen, but at least it's not going to happen in my time. At least this calamity that's going to happen to the nation of Israel isn't going to happen in my time. And I think, what a horrible outlook on life. At least it's not going to happen in my life. At least it's not going to happen in my time. The thing is, guys, we, we can fall into that Hezekiah syndrome. I'm saved. Yeah, well, at least I'm saved. Yeah, but there's a world going to hell. Yeah, I know. But I'm saved. That's a Hezekiah syndrome. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, 
an, an unhealthy look at the, at the position that God and, and the, the time that God has handpicked you, handpicked me, handpicked us to live for him in this day and age. You've heard me use this illustration before and I'll keep beating this string on this guitar until I'm done. But if God, you get this picture in your head, if God is standing here and he lines up the human race all the way from Adam and Eve until he knows who the last person is, and you have every person that's lived upon the face of this earth on that line in front of God, and there they are from that last one to Adam, the very first, and he's looking at all of that, he went along and he, he handpicked different people for different seasons in history. And, and, and I want to make it very personal to you. He came to you and he handpicked you to represent him in this day. He handpicked you. He looked at you and he says, you will represent me in 2016, February. You will be one of my kids in 2016. And if it really is, which I look at, the history, I, I look at the word, I look at prophecy, I look at things that are going on. These very well could be the very last days of the church. And if this is the very last days of the church, here's the thing. If that's the case, I think that this generation that we're living in is as important, if not more important, than the days of the apostles. And that God picked Paul and Peter and John and James and all of the men and women back in that in the apostolic days and picked them and said, you will represent me in this beginning of the church. He came to you and he says, my very last days, church, you, 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 you. And he, he came to you and he called you by name. He called you by name. Make that personal, Christian. Make it personal. It's not that he says, okay, hey, this good group over here, yeah, uh, yeah, you can come on in. Uh, yeah, come on. Now nah, you can stay out. Come on over here. Yeah, you guys are going to be the ones. He didn't just haphazardly hand, you know, pick just a, just a group of people. He, in his infinite mind, in his all-knowing, omniscient, all-powerful mind, he stopped in front of you in the history of mankind and he says, you will represent me in my last day's church. If he did that, if you understand that he handpicked you in his last days, he handpicked you, even if it isn't the last days, that God handpicked you at all, should blow your mind, should floor you, that God handpicked you to represent him. Should we get out of the high chair? Should we, should we not presume upon, well, and can, turn that, you can turn that off, Nate. You can go back to the other thing. I don't mean to be teaching in front of that. <laughs> Sorry. But here's the thing. I don't want the church to be that. I don't want us to be that. I can't answer for the other churches around here in Sarasota. I can only answer for this one. What food am I giving you? I, I hope and pray that you, you take what meat I put out, and you chew on it. I, I don't want you to become like the person who, who seems to have everything, which just ticks me off. I, back when I was a kid, uh, about Nathan's age, a little bit younger, I, just a couple of nights, I worked for 
a steakhouse just because it was a friend of mine. Uh, my best friend, Daryl White, growing up, um, his next door neighbor, his name was Costa. His dad, uh, Costa Sr., owned uh, a few restaurants, and one of them was a really nice restaurant called Johnny's Steakhouse. And Costa wasn't able to make it and be back in the kitchen to wash dishes, and so yeah, I got hired on for a couple nights. And what's interesting, when you're working in a place like that, there are times that the plates come to you and you have a, a steak there and lobster on the plate with maybe a bite, maybe a bite out of it. And they're thrown away. Well, they thought they were thrown away. <laughs> if that ooze you out, I don't care. I, I'm still alive. I didn't get any bacteria. <laughs> Man, I ate well. <laughs> hey, here's the thing. You, you look at that and you go, what, do, do you, just, you just have so much that, that you just cast it aside? You just cast it aside? What, that this wasn't good enough for you or, or, or what? I don't know. Have you become so, so entitled that you have so much, you have everything you ever want that, ah, even this meat, it just doesn't satisfy me anymore. Ah, ah. And, and I think, man, in the church, I think that we do a lot of that. I think we push back a lot of porterhouses and a lot of lobster. Now, that might not be your big thing. You might not like that. What solid food is it that you like? I know Marianne's going, you, I don't like that. You know, Okay, watercress and uh, <laughs> eggplant. I can't do eggplant. I don't know why. Uh, uh, Tofurkey. <laughs> they make tofu, turkey out of tofu. It's kind of funny. Um, but here's the thing. I, I, hey, if that's, man, what, you know, makes you tick and you like that, that okay, so, so make that the solid food. You just go, oh, man, I, I, you're making me hungry, talking about tofu turkey, you know. If that's you and that makes you, well, listen, that's your solid food. Are you eating that or are you casting that back? Are you pushing it back? The, the point is here, Paul's going, Man, I wanted to deliver to you some of the best courses available. This is the Apostle Paul talking. I, I, I am going to actually, audience participation. How many of you would have loved to have sat in one of Paul's messages? I, my hands are both up. I would have loved to have been in one of Paul's messages. I would have loved to have been in one of Paul's messages. It would have been awesome. And, and here, these guys didn't know what they had in Paul. Paul's going, man, do you know how much I could have poured into you? But you weren't willing. You weren't willing to listen. You, you were more concerned with the things of the world than you were of the things of the Lord. If there's a challenge here, and I'm going to end with this, listen, if there's a challenge here for all of us, it's this. You and I have been handpicked to represent God in these days that we're living. Whether it's the last days or whether it's not, the miracle is, is that you and I have been handpicked by God. And, and, and not only that, but God has a plan for your life. God did not just create you. He did not just create me for us to waste oxygen. It's to live for Him. If we had Christ 
truly living next to us on a day-by-day basis, would my day differ than it does currently? That's a challenge. That's a hard thing to say. And if you're thinking that, oh, well, Pastor Don, do you do that? No, I don't. So listen, I'm going to listen to this message this week. When I speak from the pulpit, please don't ever hear me be condescending because every challenge I ever throw out there, I listen to it back again and probably four times a week I'll listen to my same message. Are you doing this, Don? Are you just saying to do this or are you doing it? And and I'm sad to say there's a lot of times I don't. And that's to my shame. But it doesn't mean that I don't want to excel for Christ. It doesn't mean that I want to be comfortable in where I'm at. I want, I want to go farther. I want, I want more of what God has for me. I want you to want more of what God has for you specifically. Not just the church as a whole. Not just Calvary Chapel. Not even just you as, if you're married. Well, we as a couple, that's what I want more. No, no, no. What about you individually? You individually. What does God have for you? Oh, probably not a lot because, well, I just don't really speak a whole lot. Either did Moses. Moses says, man, I'm not a guy with eloquent speech. Why are you sending me to the most powerful man in the world? God says, am I not the one who made man and the ability for man to speak? And Moses gets in an argument with God. Yeah, but I know better than you. I can't speak good. All right, I guess in order for you to go, Moses, I'll get somebody else in here. Your brother, Aaron, is coming across the desert right now. You see him out there? He'll be your voice. Well, I don't know, but if God wouldn't have brought Aaron in, if Moses wouldn't have just cast it all in and said, no, I ain't doing it. But then he had Aaron coming along. He goes, you've taken my excuses away, God. (laughs) I, I, I have to go. I mean, I, I don't have another excuse. I thought that I had you in a pickle. I don't have the ability to speak, God. I made your mouth, Mo. I know, but I know my mouth a whole lot more than you do, I think. Um, no, you don't. Well, but I just know me, and I just know that I, I can't do it. I won't. I can't do it. Because I can't do it, I won't do it. Because I, I won't do it. Well, I, this is just a, a, moot, a, moot, a moot conversation, God. All right, Moses, you're missing out on my best. But there's still a blessing here. Here's your brother Aaron coming. He'll be your voice. Poor Aaron's walking across the desert. He doesn't know what's in store for him. (laughs) Moses just made a deal with God. It wasn't a deal with the devil. He made a deal with God, which is far more powerful. All right, well, if Aaron goes with me. Oh, hey, Aaron, how you doing? Hey, Buddy, how you doing? Hey, yeah, by the way, God chose you to go talk to the most powerful man in the world and tell him that God said, let his people go. But I'll be behind you. You know, you go, great, great. Who said this? It's God. Mm -hmm. You sure? Aaron showed a lot of, you know, faith in that, that he went. But here's the thing. Remove the excuses. God has given you the mouth that he has given you. God has given you the brain that he's given you. God has given you the heart that he's given you. God has given you the abilities and the gifts and the callings that he's given to you. No one else. You are special. 
And God wants to use your specialness to reach the world. Don't look around. Well, what about them? What about them? What about... No, 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 no. What about you? What about you? Man, this message would have been great for William. I I just said William because I didn't know of any Williams because I don't want anybody to think, oh, he's thinking of William. Who's William? No, I, I don't know. I don't have anybody in mind. But if you're listening to this thing on the internet, I'm talking to you, bud. William. <laughs> William, get up, man. Pull over right now and pray. Okay? Lord, okay, you're speaking to me. I'm serious, William, right now. <laughs> that, that's going to go on the internet. And there's going to be a William somewhere in Kansas going, I've got to get over. You know? Here's the thing. God has a plan for your life. God has a greater plan than you'll ever, ever, ever make yourself. He has a a calling and election upon your life that only you can unleash by allowing God to work through you. But you have got to do it. It's not by delving into the flesh. It's not by listening to the flesh. It's not by acquiescing to the flesh. It's by surrendering your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have me to do this day? This day, Sunday. Sunday is not just about church and now you're free for the rest of the day. All right, I did something for the Lord. Now it's my time. No, 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 no. A surrendered life is God's 100% of the time. There are no days off. When you walk out of this building today, you are a Christian representing God that he handpicked you for this day and this day specifically. Prayer that I'm praying with my wife. And we've recommitted to pray on a day-by-day basis during the week especially. One of the prayers that we've been praying with Lynette is this. God, you knew from the foundations of the world that this day you were going to keep me alive for This is a day that you have made not simply for me to go to work and come home and not have any any effect whatsoever. God, show me how I can be used by you today. Help me to come home and realize the reason that you made whatever day this is. What is today? The 21st of February. God designed, specifically designed something for you on February 21st. What is it? You want to talk about an exciting life? Pray that prayer. Lord, February 21st, you have something for me. Do it. I surrender. Do in my life what you want me to. Because Lord, I want to eat the meat, the solid food of you, and not just simply bask in the milk. I want to understand you, Lord. not how the world understands you. I want to understand you intimately. I want to know you. Father, thank you so much for today. Help us, Lord, not to be babies in Christ. Help us to mature. Help us to grow. Lord, we know that a true baby is okay. There might be somebody in this room that is brand new in the Lord. And they might be feeling convicted that, wow, I'm not an adult right now. I'm not doing a whole bunch of stuff in the Lord. Lord, give them the peace to know that there's a time for them to grow. 
there's a time for them to grow and there's a time for them to to be nurtured by you and and ministered to by you and, and grown up and matured by you. This isn't necessarily a message challenging them to be the adult, to be mature if they don't have the ability to be mature yet because they're brand new. Lord, this is for those of us in this room who have been walking with you for a while. We've claimed our position as Christian for years and maybe many years. And yet today we still sit on the sideline. Yet today we, we, don't, we don't trust you with our day, but we lean more upon the flesh than we acquiesce to the Spirit. God, help us to be men and women who follow hard after you, God. Who, who wake up with an expectation that you're going to do something in our life. And, and then, Lord, help us to swallow any fear that we have. One of the reasons why we sang this song today. I'm no longer a slave to fear because I am a child of God. Fear will not dictate my life. Fear will not direct my life. Fear will not be in the driver's seat of my life any longer because I'm a child of God and you've changed me. You've handpicked me. You've given me a call. In that you've called me to do something, you will also equip me to do it. God, I pray for every single individual listening to these words and this prayer right now. God, pour out on us your Holy Spirit that we might individually not Think about somebody else who needs to hear this, but Lord, for me, personally, to take this challenge today and live for you, completely surrendered to you, knowing that the days are evil and the days are short, whether it be in my life or whether it be in the, 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 the age of the church, I don't know. But one thing I know is that you created this day and I want to find out what for. What for? Why this day, Lord? Why this day? Did I realize your purpose for February 21st? Before we go to sleep, Lord, help us to answer that with a heart that we are able to sleep well tonight. And if not, Lord, then I pray you make us uncomfortable because, Lord, our desire is, is that we want to serve you. And sometimes we just need it a nudge. So Lord, nudge us by your spirit in the loving way that you know how to, Lord. We want our lives to matter. We want our lives to follow you. We want our lives to crack a smile on your face when you look upon us and how we live our lives on a day-by-day basis because we want to serve you because you've given us so much. You've given us so much so much and we love you God thank you Lord thank you God for maybe a gentle rebuke today for all of us maybe an encouragement for others maybe a fairly strong exhortation for the rest I don't know but thank you Lord for your word now help us to leave this place trusting you and knowing that you've handpicked us to take steps outside of the walls of this building. Help us to do it to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.